It's called the black man is God. It's called the black man is God. Next hour. This is for the children. You know what I'm saying? I got this idea from myself, of course, but this is for the children. I got. Make this prediction. This will be the biggest upset in all fighting history. The easiest fight of my life. You think your cousin can with me? You really do? Anybody on your one? Today is Monday, June 17th, 2019, and it is time for another Mark Draft. Yes, the preseason podcast of the year is back, baby. HipHopSportsReport.com is the website. Thank you all for listening. Uh, apologies to you guys. I know you all have been checking for podcasts and stuff like that. I'm having people hit me up, you know, asking about podcasts, and, you know, it's just it's just a little strenuous right now with the, with the personal stuff I got going on in terms of... Uh, family responsibilities and and day job responsibilities and and other responsibilities and obligations I'm a part of. So your man Jay Hicks, from the bottom of his heart, apologizes to you all. But I hope you guys understand because we've all been there. We've all had those moments. But the beauty of it is I still made time for y'all. I still found the opportunity to reach down deep in my heart and pull out another podcast because it's the Mark Draft, y'all. Mark Hicks is on the line. What up, Mark? What's going on, cousin? Not much, man. I got a lot of energy right now. I hope your Father's Day was good. <laughs> it was great, actually. Um, it, uh, we, we were just discussing before we got on the air. You know, my kids are all older now, and you know, I really don't have to do much but show up. And we were talking about you and how in your stage is. I remember that stage very well. You know, the kids are are you know wide open, and they, they they try to get involved as much as they possibly can. But you know, you know how their attention span is you know if it's unfortunately if it's not about them they don't they don't stay focused that long there's <laughs> yeah. nothing wrong with that either too but it's yeah. just kind of funny to look at that the, just the transition yeah, it's a different dynamic man my kids are my kids are much younger and uh therefore you know yesterday when father's day rolled around i was on i was on i was you know mom was out yesterday so it was daddy daycare all day and uh you know, I, I held it down though that's what i do that's what i do so uh, shout out to all the dads out there. We hope you had a wonderful Father's Day. Shout out to to you, Mark, and all the wonderful fathers in our family. Shout out to my uncle Roger Hicks. I know he's in heaven watching this right now, and and I know he's proud of you, Mark. So shout out to him, and shout out to my father Ken Hicks Sr. as well. Um, we gonna go ahead and and uh, jump into the to the podcast real quick though. So you know uh, y'all know how the mock draft or excuse me the mock draft works, and y'all know why mock drafts are trash, which is why we do this in the first place. And I've noticed a lot of other outlets are starting to duplicate the mock draft. Have you noticed that, Mark? 
uh, without question, man. And I, I think, you know, they always say imitation is the highest form of flattery. So I guess they they really like you. <laughs> We the original. I want my props. I want my credit, man. Forget all that flattery <clears throat> stuff. Okay, I want y'all to let them know that I'm the originator of the Mark Draft, and that you are the godfather of the Mark Draft. There is no Mark Draft without you, right? And we started this Mark Draft thing, and this it's like we started this Mark Draft ish, and this is the respect we get. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what I'm feeling right now. But be that as it may, be that as it may. Shout out to uh, what was that? Cube or Dre? Whoever that was. Shout out to them. But you know we're gonna use this time to talk about. The NBA draft, which is Thursday night, and but prior to that, we're actually going to discuss uh, in reverse chronological order. We were going to discuss the finals, but you know what? We're going to discuss the Anthony Davis trade because on Saturday, Anthony Davis got traded from the New Orleans Pelicans to the Los Angeles Lakers. Finally, and we saw Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, um, a bunch of a bevy of first round picks, a bag of potato chips, all get sent back to New Orleans in exchange for Anthony Davis's services. Mark. Um, we don't have a lot of time to discuss it, but I wanted to get your immediate reaction to it. Well, it just amazes me how, you know, 24 hours prior to that trade, the Lakers were the laughing stock of the league. And then all of a sudden this trade comes out, and now Vegas has them uh, predicted as uh, the team that will win the, the next year's uh, NBA title. It's just amazing. And and I think the, the, the biggest thing to look at is that through all of those trends, that big transaction, there's basically only six players on the Lakers roster. So, yeah, they have two, two of the uh, top, I would say, five players in the league on the same team. However, you know, they still only have four other guys. They have to fill up the roster. So now it's a matter of trying to figure out, you know, which pieces are going to fit because you know it's going to be a veteran-laden club. There's no, uh, there's no picks for the Lakers for the foreseeable future. So now – you got to get bargain basement veterans, guys who want to come there and play and just try to fill up the roster that way. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they pull that off. I mean, this is true, and this has been true of just about any LeBron team going back since he left Cleveland the first time going to Miami. But yep. I really feel like that, that this is the way to go. I mean, you get the superstar and you worry about the rest of it later. I mean, you can build out a good team and all that, and, and that's that's all well and good, and, and I would support that. But the, the fastest track to getting on the championship podium that I'm re-watching the Toronto Raptors are standing on right now on NBA TV, <laughs> the fastest track to get back to that point is to go through your superstars. And so you're fortunate enough to get LeBron James. You have a deal with Anthony Davis, and unfortunately people are suggesting that maybe the Lakers gave up too much to get him. But you know what? You got to go out and get him. And, and I know that's, that's kind of a, a, a generic take, but – you got to go get the guy. I really genuinely believe that. You got to go get the guy if he's there. Worst case scenario, you don't win a title in the next two years, but you still have Anthony Davis under your control for the next five years. After the, you know, after next year, probably an additional five years, or if not more. And I personally right. think the Lakers gave up that much. Brandon Ingram and you know Josh Hart's nice, but he's a backup point guard at best in this league now. Brandon Ingram, never been sold on Brandon Ingram. Y'all can go all the way back in my tweets and stuff I've written on the website. Never been sold on Brandon Ingram. And, and now he played – Brandon Ingram played two good weeks of basketball. Then he had the blood clot thing. And I'm talking about two good weeks in his entire career. Then he had the blood clot thing. And now people are acting like well, he's, a, he's some kind of major trade piece and it's like he's a future all-star. Like, no, he's not. Like, he's a decent player who can – you know, who got hot for two weeks one time in three years. So I'm not I'm not sold on Brandon Ingram. I'm definitely not sold on Lonzo. Lonzo can't shoot for nothing. He's got a crazy father that's still trying to be in the mix. He's got great court vision and a great feel for the game, but outside of that, eh. So 
the the most exciting part of this package to me for New Orleans is the picks of, of the picks and the pick swaps and the 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 deferment and all that stuff, which most of us aren't right. sophisticated enough to understand all the details of that. But that's where I think New Orleans really won on this end. And, and I say one loosely. I don't think you can determine a winner of a trade for like at least two to three years. Same thing with the draft. But um, but that's my initial takeaway is that I think New Orleans did okay, um, considering that they were pretty much bidding against nobody. Um, and or, you know the, or the Lakers were you know the Lakers were bidding against themselves. I should say, and they still got a decent haul considering that fact. And uh, but the, we knew Anthony Davis was going to end up there at some point. It was just a matter of how and when. And so he's there. So good for Rich Paul, good for Clutch Sports, good for LeBron, good for AD, I guess. And good for the Pelicans that they're able to move on. Real quick, Mark, your thoughts on the Toronto Raptors winning the 2019 NBA championship. I know you saw that coming, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think the team, besides probably the Boston Celtics, the the team who uh, wanted LeBron to leave the Eastern Conference more than anybody was the Toronto Raptors. and I think uh, just the, the the thought that they actually le- legitimately had a chance to get to the finals, I think that's what that's what uh, sparked them and spurred them on. Um, I don't think, um, and I don't, I don't care who who said something otherwise. I don't think they honestly felt, meaning Toronto felt that they had a chance to get to the finals, let alone win a title, as long as LeBron was in the East. And I think th- uh, the fact that he went out west. I think that just made it open season. I think that gave them confidence. I, and early on, you know, they were they were trying to figure themselves out. But I think once they figured out how to how to go through their superstar and things like that, and then realized the talent that they actually had, um, I, I think it, it just they, their confidence started to grow. And even against a team like the Warriors, even though the, they, they're going to say the injuries uh, were a factor, and it does it does matter. However, I think that. Uh, there, they were a confident uh, bunch coming into the finals, and I think that, you know, that was a lot of that was due to the fact that they had the big, you know, weight off of their shoulders of LeBron not being in the East. Yeah, I think LeBron's being gone has a lot to do with it. There was a there was a mental hurdle there with LeBron right. being in the East, and I think that they were able to to get rid of a lot of that with with his departure. And obviously, first of all, before we go any further, can I just we've done this before in the podcast? Hold up. You hear that? That's me patting myself on the back. That's right. Because who said that the Toronto Raptors need to deal DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard? Who said that? Y'all didn't hear that no place else. I guarantee you. You can scour the internet. You didn't hear it any place else besides this podcast. That was you, bro. Last year, last year, before free agency started, I said, the Toronto Raptors, Masai Ujiri, needs to get on the phone with the Spurs and make an offer for Kawhi Leonard. And if it includes DeMar DeRozan, so be it. And so be it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So basically, I should get like a 10% consulting fee from Masai's paycheck or whatever raise he's entitled to get now because we know the Washington Wizards are trying to give him $10 million a year or whatever. So, yeah, Correct. But, you know, I'm not going to get that, so let's just move on. But I will say, <laughs> I will say that, that – the one thing that's annoying me, and the Raptors are a very worthy champion. So, uh, you know, here comes the, the preface where it sounds like I'm about to take something away from them. They're right. a very worthy champion. But this game that people play on social media where they debate, you know, basketball and stuff like that, and they act as though that for some reason we cannot count, we cannot take into consideration the injury factor is bizarre to me. It's like, Theoretically, we're all intelligent 
adult human beings. Like, like, why is it that we have to debate basketball in this sense and say, nope, nope, the better team won. Nope, they play whoever out there, and Toronto's the better team. Like, no, no, no. Golden State is better than Toronto, and if a healthy Golden State plays a healthy Toronto Raptors, Golden State mops them in five games, and I don't want to hear nothing else about it. Like, now, a lot of, yeah. you know, I know a lot of Cleveland fans that listen to this, you know, because I'm from Cleveland, of course, as you know, and you are as well. Yes, I know, sir. I know, I know a lot of Cleveland people that are banging their fists talking about, well, in 2015, you know, the Cavs <laughs> lost Kyrie and Kevin Love, and they would have won the title in 2015. And I agree with you, which is exactly why we have to apply the same logic in 2019. You don't get to say the Cavs would have won the 2015 title, and then in 2019 turn around and say, well, the better team won. The Raptors are better. They matched up better. Matched up better with what? Alfonso McKinney and Quinn Cook? Give me a break. Yeah. The, the, the best players for <laughs> Golden State were not on the floor. That matters. Injuries matter. And I just don't understand why we act like we can't be intelligent enough to take into account the importance of injuries. Now, are these Correct. injuries the same thing as Draymond getting suspended for one game in 2016? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We discussed before, <laughs> Draymond's suspension being the reason that the Golden State Warriors lost the 16 finals is the most overblown sports narrative of the decade, and I'm sick of hearing about it. It's not true. It's me too. built on lies. But... But without getting into all that, this these injuries matter. Kevin Durant injury, uh, Clay Thompson, and then also less injuries to lesser important players like Kevon Looney. Iguodala was yep. not one hundred percent. Those things matter. So yes, shout outs to the Raptors. Have fun. They had the parade today. A zillion people was in downtown Toronto. Cardinal official was probably out there repping. Maybe not, but you know we know Drizzy was there. Just, I mean, oh, without I, doubt. Yeah, they had a great parade, and, and shouts to them for having a good time, and, and they won the whole thing, and good for them. But the better team didn't win, y'all. It didn't. I don't, I don't care what nobody says. The better team didn't win. The best team in the NBA this year was the Warriors, but I have no empathy for them because they've gotten over nope. injuries in the past from other teams. So I'll just leave it at that. It finally caught up with them. Yeah, I agree. It finally caught up with them. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I picked against the Warriors many times over the years in series because I thought that the injury bug was going to catch up to them sooner than it did. But it took five years, but it finally got them. It finally got them. Um, all right, <laughs> now's the time. Mark draft. With the first pick. We already know who the New Orleans Pelicans should select. But I'm going to ask you anyways, Mark. Who should they take with the number one pick? We know Zion the God is coming out of Duke. We know Duke had this tremendous freshman class, and there's some other good players in this draft, but a lot of people think it's only a, a three-person draft. So as we switch gears to the Mark draft, I don't think you're going to shock me with the number one pick, but lay it on us, Mark. Who should the Pelicans take if you are David Griffin? If I was David Griffin... The Pelicans would take Sierra Little. No, I mean Zion Williamson. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> With the first pick in the draft. <laughs> you talk about a stunner, boy. Huh? <laughs> they, they probably would start meaty throwing tomatoes and booing. <laughs> but it's Zion Williamson, man. It's, it's no doubt. He was the clear-cut number one guy. Basically, when he when he uh, told everybody he was going to do, actually, when he before he uh, graduated from high school, so... Uh, we were we were expecting this. It was just a matter of who was going to get the number one pick, and New Orleans was a was a lucky person to start this rebuild on the fly with the number one pick. So he's the guy that they're going to they're going to build around, and and quite honestly, he should be the best player in this draft coming out. So, so Zion is the pick. We always joke about watching uh, the tape, right? That's a running mark. <laughs> Oh yeah. 
us non uh scouts and us non uh, uh videographers and basketball executive people when we say looking at the tape we're all looking at the same youtube videos people i hate to break it to you that's right YouTube clips. but one thing i will say about zion is that when we look at youtube uh these days when you look everybody has a, every player has their own um has their own basketball highlight tape or mixtape or whatever. Everybody's looks the same. It looks like a kid that's bigger and stronger than all the other kids he's playing against and he's dunking on them and all this other stuff. And we don't know if he can actually play basketball. That's what everybody's tape looks like. Correct. So it's hard to really get excited about that. But I will say that I got excited about Zion the first time I saw his highlights back when he was either, I think he was early in his junior year. Maybe he was even a sophomore still. But I saw his highlights several years ago, and I'm like, this kid looks different. I mean, it's one thing to be an athlete, and then there's Zion Williamson, you know what I mean? So, and then right. to do, we saw his total game evolve, and there was so much more to it. There's so much more depth to his game than even I realized when he came into Duke. So, um, you know, do you think they, do you think he's a franchise changer? I mean, I think the one thing he really needs to work on, because he is only 6'7", is his ability to pull up off the bounce. We didn't really see that for him. He's kind of a set shooter. And he has a very slow, deliberate release. And I think in the NBA, he's going to have to be able to create off the bounce and, and, and get a shot up. And, and that's not part of his game at this stage. So, And I think that's what's going to help him take him to the next level. Do you see him developing in that area? And do you see him being a franchise-changing talent, Mark? Uh, to answer your question, I think um, if you would ask me that question probably even as little as a year ago, I would have said absolutely not. Because, you know, my son is, um, is, is the same age as Zion. So uh, when he saw him, when he saw him play uh, as, a, as a high schooler and he was telling me about him and he was showing me the tape, so to speak, I was sitting up there looking at it. And I said, oh, all this kid knows how to do is dunk. And as he started maturing physically, he started maturing in his game as well. And then this past season in particular, once his once he started learning how to play the game, I think, you know, even in a, in a short period of time, like he was he was at Duke, I think he learned a lot about playing the game and how he fits and how he can get um, get himself involved in basketball games. I think he learned a little bit about himself and his ability throughout this season, even with the fact that he got injured, how he come back from an injury, all these different things. So I think. Um, Yes, now I think he's he can be that franchise changing person. Um, he does have to work on a, a lot of his game, in particular his shot, um, getting his uh, his shot off, the quicker a quicker release, uh, playing off the ball, doing all these little different things that he can uh, participate and help his team out. Just besides scoring the basketball or getting a particular rebound or showing off his athleticism, so he has the ability to do that. I think he has the drive to do that now that he's in New Orleans and there's no Anthony Davis and he is basically just him. He now has the opportunity to learn how to, how he fits in the NBA where his niche is and then eventually learn how to play. And I think all those things, if he keeps uh, working on his game, like he has been, I think he's going to do fine uh, going forward. I mean, I think he's going to be a tremendous talent and, and I do see multiple all-stars in, in that in light in his future. Um, but until he really, learns how to how to create off the bounce in a one-on-one situation i think that's what's going to elevate his game to the next level 
With the second Couldn't pick, agree more. Yeah, but the second pick, um, Memphis snuck into the to the lottery as did no. Uh, well, Memphis was already down, I think, towards the bottom of the league. Uh, the Pelicans really jumped up um, into the lottery and got the number one pick. But Memphis has the number two pick. Uh, they have Mike Conley, but everybody seems to know what they're going to end up doing here. So, Mark, what do you say they do with the number two pick? Oh, without question, it's John Morant. And in my opinion, if uh, if Zion was never in this draft to begin with, John Morant, to me, is the best player in this draft. Um, he's a, a taller point guard, but he can pretty much do everything. And the fact that I, I watched the NCAA tournament along with everybody else, and I had seen him throughout the year, and I, and I, I liked his game, but I mean, I think what impressed me the most about him on the biggest stage, I think, is where he shined the most. Having the triple double early on in the tournament, I think that just showcases skills to the entire country, and I think that that's what put him on the map. But I think if you watch Murray State throughout the year, you saw you saw how he played, and I think you can you could see the 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 type of player he was going to be, this uh, Jason Kidd type six five point guard that can have excellent vision that can do a, mul- a multitude of things, but he's mo- much more athletic than Jason Kidd ever was. And I think that's that's the key thing with him going forward into the league. And I think he's he's going to do well. Um, the only question then is once once he gets there, what you're going to do with Mike Conley? Because he's on a major deal. You're going to have to find a way to, to trade him or maybe even keep him for a year and then try to trade him after next year or something like that just so he so the kid can learn the ropes on how to play in the league. But that's that's the pick. I mean, it was to me, it was no question. Uh, I was hoping that the Cavs would get, if not get the first pick, at least get the second pick, so they had a chance to get uh, John Moran because he's that type of player. Yeah, man. We saw, like you said, in the tournament that he was real deal when he put up that triple double and all that. And you know, people who have been following all along knew. I mean, he was he led the nation in assists this year. Correct. And so I think that's the beautiful part about his game is that he's not a score first point guard and and. Again, I'm going to reiterate it. I've said it a thousand times. I don't believe that you can win a championship with a score-first mentality point guard as your number one scoring option on offense. I don't think that teams built that way can win in the NBA. So I agree. And so, you know, we look at Stephon Marbury. We look at Steve Francis. We look at Allen Iverson. We look at uh, John Wall to an extent. We look at uh, Kyrie Irving in Boston. We look at... Uh, Russell Westbrook, we look at Damian Lillard. These dudes don't win titles. They don't. They're great players, nope. but they don't win titles. And I just think the teams are fatally flawed if they're built that way around a, a, a point guard that's you know six five and under as the centerpiece that's looked to score primarily for that team. I just don't think you can do it. The pushback I get is Steph Curry. Steph Curry is great. Steph Curry, I think we learned in this year, having watched him try to shoulder the load himself, that he can't, he can't lift the team up quite like a LeBron James can, of course. Now, that doesn't mean he's not great, right. but Steph Curry is pretty much a one-trick pony, and he's a great He has his limitations, that's right. He's a great one-trick pony, but he's a one-trick pony. If he's not making three-point jump shots, there's not a lot he's contributing to a basketball game, people. It's just not. And that's not enough to Correct. win if he's the number one scoring option and the only scoring option. They won it in 2015, but the Cavs had injuries, as we discussed. The only other close person that I could think of is the man I'm looking at on my TV screen right now, Isaiah Lord Thomas, back in the 80s yep. and early 90s. But even he was more 50-50, a distributor and a scorer. So I don't think that anybody who's mentally built to score 25-30 a game at the point guard position, that 
team, that guy being the number one scoring option cannot lead a team to a title. I don't think we've seen it in 60, 70 years of NBA basketball. So um, the good news is that John Morant is pass first. And, and that's, that's Correct. His, his, what his mental makeup is. But he can still probably go out and get you 25 and 30 on, on, a, on a regular basis in the NBA when the time comes if needed. So, But to your point earlier, Mark, I think we have to watch for Mike Conley possibly being on the move as soon as Thursday night. Because the Memphis right. already come out and said we're taking John Morant. We already know that. So, right. so knowing that, I think Mike Conley, despite his uh, contract, could be on the move rather shortly. Indiana, he's from Indianapolis. So the Indiana Pacers is always talked about as a potential landing spot for him. They need a point guard. He can help a really good team because Mike Conley is still a really good player. Just uh, one quick, one quick uh, thing about John Morant, too, I just wanted to point out. Yeah. Um, the, thing about a, the thing about a point guard – to me, and I agree with everything you just said about a point guard being a number one scoring option and, and not being able to win. The thing, the beauty about John Moran is that he's not a one-trick pony. He's a, he is very um, versatile in in how he affects the game. And I think for him, I think with any young point guard, the biggest thing, the biggest transition going from college to pro is, especially if you have a, a scoring mentality, is when you go and get yours and when you want to set everybody else up. That's the biggest transition to trying to figure out how you fit. When can I go get mine, and when can I, when can I just sit back and, let my, and set up my teammates to get them involved so that they can, they can get into the game early? And I think that's where the biggest transition for John Morant, not trying to do everything himself, rely on his teammates, and then get himself involved in the game so that he also can get the entire team involved in the game. I think that's the biggest transition for him. And what's funny about that, too, is, Mark, Steph Curry never mastered that. He's never really had to. No, because not at all. Since 2011, he's had Clay Thompson by his side, and then they just had this system where they, they you know, everybody touches the rock, everybody, they, they don't rely on one singular playmaker, and maybe that's to their benefit, you know, bully, uh, bully for Golden State because they got a great system there. But my point is just that, Steph never really had to do that. So we saw it in the finals. He scored uh, 47 in game three, but his team still got blown out, basically. And, Correct. And, and he struggled to kind of get off when, when everybody else, you know, was gone. When, when Clay went out in game six, Curry disappeared in the fourth quarter. Now, granted, he was getting, like, triple teamed and what have you, or double teamed, you know, third right. in the basket. But, you know, that's, that's the beauty of Steph is that his, his jumper makes it as such that uh, he makes you defend 30 feet away from the basket. And people now on basketball Twitter makes jokes about Steph Curry and the quote-unquote gravity. But it's a real thing. Like, you can joke about it if you want, but, I mean, like his spacing does create for others. But when those others aren't no doubt. there, when those others aren't there, you know, he, he he's still trying to come off screens and stuff, and they're just swallowing him up. Whereas somebody like John Morant can come into the NBA, and they know that from the bounce – they can either drive, they can either shoot, they can either set up a teammate. And Steph doesn't really do that. You don't really see Steph Curry come down with the rock in his hands, between the legs, drive, dish to a teammate. You know, I mean, you see it occasionally, but that's not really his game. That's not his preference. No. I think that's Golden State's preference. But, um, you know, uh, John Morant, I think, is going to be a quality player. And Steph Curry, he's a great player, but, you know, maybe just not as great as some of us thought. <laughs> I think we can safely Correct. say that now. You know, there's other guards I think are more talented than him. Guys like I think Kyrie Irving's more talented than Steph, but Steph's impact is greater because of the gravity and whatever. I could I could go down a tangent on that, but instead I'm gonna go to New York City. <laughs> Welcome to New York City. So the Knicks didn't get the Knicks didn't get the number one pick, did they, Mark? 
Remember, nope. Mark, remember a couple of uh, weeks ago when everybody thought it was going to be KD, Kyrie, and Zion in New York? Oh, of course. You know, I love Anthony Houston, friend of the podcast, frequent contributor to <laughs> Hip Hop Sports Report, diehard New York Knicks fanatic. He was dead yeah. set on KD, Zion, Kyrie. Well, what's happened? Well, the Knicks didn't get the first pick. They may not pick. get any of them. The Knicks didn't get the first pick, so we know they ain't getting Zion. Uh, Kyrie was in Boston uh, stinking up the joint in the second round of the playoffs and not looking like anything remotely close to a franchise-type guy. And yep. Kevin Durant is in a hospital bed looking pathetic, unfortunately, on Instagram with a, with a tore-up Achilles. And we were not going to see him for another Sixteen months or something, and right. so I mean, maybe they still get Durant, but they're just gonna have to wait on him. But we know that Correct. the Knicks have the third pick, though. So at least they did. They're doing okay, Mark. If you're running the Knicks, I'm praying for you. But beyond just that, <laughs> who are you selecting with the third pick? Well, you know they all they was talking about it's a three it's a three man race here in the in this draft, and so the third man falls to the New York Knicks. I'm actually kind of happy for them that they're in this position because to, for them to stink like they did and then miss out on anybody in the top three, I think would be horrible for them. Um, but RJ Barrett would be my pick if I was the, if I was the Knicks at three. Um, he feels a need, and and he could potentially be that star power athlete that. That you know the the Knicks have been looking for for a lot of years. Yeah, RJ was the uh, he was the number one player in that high school draft class with Zion Williamson coming into college. He was the number one, right. player, uh, another Canadian dude, I believe. And uh, mm-hmm. and so RJ's a scorer. I mean, he I think he led the ACC in scoring as a freshman with Zion Williamson and Cam Reddish on his team. So that's pretty impressive. There was a lot of stuff that he would Very. pull in games that I think. May, may have not endeared people to him just, you know, as he tried to take over a lot of times late in close games and it didn't go so great. And once it became established that Zion was clearly better than him, but he didn't really seem like he wanted to defer. At least he's got that, that number one star player mentality. And I think that'll serve him well. And he's already come out and says, I want to be a New York Knicks. So I think that'll serve the Knicks right. as, as well. And they got a nice little, little, you know, they got Mitchell Robinson there. They got Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox had a rough with the season, but I think there's still some talent there. And, and Mitchell Robinson was a great surprise for New York. So between that stuff, maybe they get Kemba Walker, maybe they get Jimmy Butler, and maybe who, who maybe Kyrie shocks us all and doesn't go to Brooklyn. He goes to the Knicks. I don't know, but there's still some semblance of, of hope to be had in New York, and uh, RJ Barrett's kind of the, the the focal point of that hope. But that's kind of how most people thought the top three picks would play out. It's just Correct. Like you have it playing out. Now is where it gets interesting, Mark. With the fourth pick, it is no longer the Los Angeles Lakers. It is now the New Orleans Pelicans picking one and four. I don't believe we've seen a team pick one and four since the Cleveland Cavaliers picked one and four in the 2011 NBA draft. That resulted in Kyrie Irving and Tristan Thompson coming to Cleveland, who wound up being two starters on what would ultimately be a championship team. So maybe the groundwork is set for New Orleans to do something special. And there's a guy who seems to be shooting up people's draft boards that everybody seems to be penciling in now as the fourth best player. Like, it's a slam dunk. Like, oh, wait a minute. No, this is a four-player draft. So I'm curious to see if you have that player going number four. Who? Uh, if if that player is DeAndre Hunter, then, then we're on the same page. Because um, I think... 
if but keep in mind though, I the first thing that they were talking about when when they got the fourth pick from the Lakers is that um, uh, David Griffin was actually looking to shop that pick, and I honestly believe that there's a strong possibility that pick may be traded to someone else for a veteran, a veteran a veteran guy who could actually help the team right now. So there's a strong possibility that that may come into play, or they may trade that pick down with somebody else who had who has the um, who has a, a person in mind that they may want to come up for. But if they stay where they are, I think DeAndre Hunter is going to be the pick for them. Um, I think out of all the people who are in this draft, he is probably the the best three and D player that's in this draft. Um, I'm not a, 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 an entirely huge fan of his. But I do like his game from the defensive standpoint, and I think that's something that you know you you can hang your hat on with him, um, the uh, small forward from Virginia, and I think that's some that that would be a nice little added surprise to help with the front court um, for uh, for New Orleans when you got Zion on one side and and uh, DeAndre Hunter on the on the other side. I think that's going to help them out a lot with this rebuild. So that's the person I would take. So let me tell you, that's not the person that I was thinking of that ha- I've, I've been hearing have been shooting up draft boards and, and whatnot. It's not DeAndre Hunter. But I will say, Hunter seems to be one of the more sure things in the draft. He's a little older than the rest of these cats. I think he's 21, 22 years old almost. Um, he is a defensive-minded player. He's coming from a defensive system at Virginia where all they wanted to do was slow the game down and play defense. And he was the best defensive player on pretty much the best defensive team in college basketball, which won a championship. So he's a championship caliber player on the collegiate level. He came up huge in that game, hit the big shot that I think that forced overtime against Texas Tech. And he had, I think, a game high 27, if I'm not mistaken, in the championship game. Although he stunk leading up to the championship game, DeAndre Hunter yes. came up huge in that game. He reminds me a little bit of, of Ron Artest, kind of, just like how broad he is. He's a big, broad, cut kid. And and he's but he also is kind of bulky and mechanical with the way that he moves around and runs. He's not really a fluid athlete to me, from what I have observed. That's not a bad. That's not a bad comparison. Actually, it's a very good comparison because that's that's probably somebody I would actually compare him with. That's actually a good a good uh, good comparison there because yeah, because so their games to a certain degree are similar. But I do I I, I like. Um, I like DeAndre Hunter's ability to score more than Ryan Artest, but I, I I get where you're looking looking at from a frame and just how how they play that that almost mechanical type of uh, game that they have. Yeah, he's six seven, two twenty five. Um, he will be uh, twenty. He's twenty one. He'll be twenty two in uh, um, on December first. So mm-hmm. he is he is an older player compared to the majority of these guys, but he's a really strong physical kid. He's kind of like has like a body type of a Kawhi Leonard almost. Uh, coming out of college, and so I think that there's there's definitely some 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 good there for sure. I don't just don't I just don't know how natural of an offensive player that he is. He'll definitely be a contributor on a good team, I believe. I just don't know if he's has superstar all star potential that I'm unsure of. And so uh, I, I would agree with you on that. And, and, and you know, who knows what New Orleans is thinking with that fourth pick? Like you said, I've I've heard speculation that they that the Cavs might look at dealing Kevin Love for that pick. I don't I don't see that happening, but I've heard speculation of it. I've heard that Atlanta might try to move up, move eight and ten to move up to number four to get that pick. So, mm-hmm. um, but he's not the guy that I was thinking of. But we'll move to the fifth pick. Our Cleveland Cavaliers, Mark. Yes. 
Col- uh, uh, Dan Gilbert's in the hospital. Colby Alton's stuck in traffic. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. I'm sorry. The way you made that sound, that was kind of funny. My bad. My bad. Shout out to DJ. We hope he falls through and everything. We hope he's okay. But Kobe Altman's stuck in traffic, and he pulls out the cell phone, and he says, Mark, I need you to run my draft ASAP. I need you to make the pick. The pick is in. Whose name is on that card, Mark, for the Cleveland Cavaliers? Man, if, honestly, honestly, Justin, if you would have told me this, asked me this question yesterday, as soon as yesterday, I would have had a totally different player than who I'm going to select today. Um, I've been battling with this for, for the better part of a month, and I, don't, I didn't know which way to go. But I, I think I'm going to roll the dice here on this one. The consensus pick would have been Jared Culver, uh, the shooting guard from Texas Tech. But I'm going to roll the dice, and I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep the name Kobe in the mix. So I'm going with Kobe White, the point guard from North Carolina. I'm going to roll the dice with this one, man. And the reason why I'm looking at this is because two things. Um, while I'm a huge fan of Colin Sexton. I really am. Um, the The problem that I saw last year with the Cavs, and I didn't watch a, a ton of games because they were they were just they were especially early on in the season because they were aggravating me. Um, but what I saw from Colin Sexton was, I mean, he he of his first he was trying to fit in into the league to show that he could actually play, not only show himself but show his teammates first of all. Uh, who kept trying to, you know, lowball dog him throughout the early part of the year. The kid is only 19 years old, and you're you're trying to treat him like he's a six-year vet. I just thought that was ridiculous. But then the kid, as he's progressing in the league, he's he's still trying to learn how to play point guard. Colin Sexton is a two-guard trapped in a point guard's body. So in my opinion, let him be who he is. Kobe White, in my opinion, is an actual true point guard in the sense that he knows how to run the floor, he knows how to play with pace, he can get his own bucket, he can set up uh, buckets for others. And I think even, I think the the Portland Trailblazers, to an extent, have shown that you can actually technically play two guards who actually can dominate the ball and be successful in it. Now, the key is you have to have the right pieces around you to be successful. But I think... For the Cavs, if they go with Kobe White, I think they can do that. I think they can do, they can find that balance. So if I'm if I'm Kobe Allman, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep what my namesake and draft Kobe White at five with the Cavs. So time's a factor on the podcast, Mark, as you know. But I have a lot to say about this. And normally, you and I are on the same page on pretty much everything. This isn't one of those instances, though. So, uh-huh. so here's my deal, Kobe White. I think Kobe White's a good player. I think when I watch him play, he seems like a jack of all trades, a master of none type cat. I I would agree with that. And so, and, and when you're picking fifth, when you're in the top five, I kind of feel like you have a responsibility to swing for the fences. And that doesn't mean you're going to mm-hmm. get everything right. Obviously, that means that you're going to come some risk with that. But I don't know. That, I don't know that getting. I think Kobe White's a steady point guard, and but I don't see him, especially in this NBA. When point guard is so, so incredibly deep, I don't see him breaking through in such a way that it says to me that that guy is going to be something special. He's worth a top five pick. Frankly, I felt the same way about Colin Sexton coming into last year. I thought that Sexton was a good player, and I liked him, but I wasn't for sure if he was a franchise changer to the point that he's worth a top ten pick. And 
with every with the entire league being focused on wing players, it seemed like wing players was a more of a premium there, and that you would want to do that. Now, what I do like about Colin Sexton, in addition to the fact that he improved his jumper dramatically and he really got robbed out of first team All NBA this year, what I like most about without him, question, what I like most about Colin Sexton is that dude is a gym rat, and I think he's a culture changer. And I think that's why the Cavs love him so much. That dude is a culture changer. That dude busts his ass, Mark. And I don't yep. know if anybody is outworking him in, in this past year's rookie class. There may be guys that are better than him right now, but I don't know that anybody's Correct. outworking Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton is a, is a gym fiend. He's constantly getting up jumpers. And he, the proof is in the pudding because we saw how much he improved throughout the course of the year. Having said all that. I, I would agree with you on that. Having said all that, I think Kobe White, like I said, is a good player. I just don't see him and Sexton together being the thing that takes us to the next level. Now, the guy that I was referring to that I said has been shooting up draft boards is Darius Garland from Vanderbilt. Yes. He's a scoring yes. guard as well. He's a natural shooter. Maybe it doesn't come as naturally to Sexton. Shooting the rock comes naturally to Darius Garland, but the problem with him is that he doesn't appear to be a, a much... He doesn't really have much in terms of um, a floor generalship. He doesn't really strike as a true point guard in any way, and he's only 6'2". So if you pair a 6'2 Darius Garland with a 6'2 Colin Sexton, you're really looking like the Portland Trailblazers, and the Portland Trailblazers are a team that I don't think can win. Mark, I, th- I think that they're built, they're, they're flawed in how they're built. But, I mean, it's not that those two guys aren't great pieces, but if, if CJ and Dame are your best players, you cannot win an NBA championship like that. And so if I'm rooting I I don't want to do Portland. Like, if I mean, if if the best player available is Garland, then the Cavs should take him if they believe he's the best player. But or okay. same thing with Kobe White. But I, I, to me, those dudes are scorers, and I think you need to be looking for your wings to score in the NBA today. If I were running the Cavs, and this is not the Justin draft, we know this. It's the reason. <laughs> if I were running the Cavs, I would roll the dice on Cam Reddish from Duke. Because so he he's a he's a, okay. Go ahead, go ahead. I want to I want go ahead and get your point because I want I want to counter real quick. It's, it's all the classic stuff you hear about Cam Reddish. You know, high uh, 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 low floor, high ceiling, right? So if he fails, he's yep. gonna fall on his face and be another Duke flame out. But if he succeeds, he might be Paul George. I think that somebody with his uh, athleticism, with his wingspan, with his uh, jumper, albeit streaky at this point. Um, he has the tools. The tools appear to be there. He can pull up off the bounce. He can drive. He's not as aggressive as he should be all the time. He's, you know, there's some Andrew Wiggins comps out there that'll scare you too. But I think that Cam Reddish is the type of cat that you can pair with Sexton. Maybe Cam, maybe Sexton rubs off on Cam Reddish, makes him into a workhorse. You know what I mean? Gets him in the gym in the summertime, makes him into a, a, a gym rat as well. And then now you have something if you are pairing Sexton with Reddish. And the other thing is, Mark, is that I feel like those true point guards that you're talking about, they're in every draft, man. You can get a point guard in any draft. There's a Kobe White in every draft. I don't know that there's a John Grant in every draft. I don't know that there's a Cam Reddish upside at five in every draft. But there's a Kobe White in every draft. And I agree with you 1,000% with everything you just said. Now, um... And you can t- you can ask my son this, but we was we was looking at uh, players on Saturday, and if I mean my, I was torn at that time between Jared Culver and Cam Reddish. 
I think the difference was, for me, with Cam Reddish was, there was a couple of games in particular where he just did not show up. And, that, and, and, and maybe it's because of maturity, because the kid's only you know 19 years of age. I get that. But at the same time, I think he, I mean, some people had, uh, have the ability, not, not just you know about natural talent with him, because he looks the part. He does everything that you want. Yeah, two things that stood out. Two, yeah, two things that stood out with me with him was his his shooting percentage from three, which was twenty eight percent, and he was also, according to Jay Billis, who was twenty eight was uh, was in the low twenties on catch and shoot opportunities. And then the second part, and the, and probably the most disturbing part with him is that there were games where he just the people were questioning his character or his heart, and my thing is. It, that's kind of cruel to do for a 19-year-old kid. But my thing is, and, and you're probably right, if you pair him up with a, with a Colin Sexton who's a gym rat who works his ass off, just like you said, maybe that rubs off on him. And, and maybe he it, he ends up maturing faster than ever. Because if you get a mature Cam Reddish, he could very easily be, if not the second or third best player in this draft. And probably even better because he has so much upside, but... There's a lot of things to his game that, you know, if this happens, then this happens. If he does this, then then this will occur. And I think, um, and this is this is what's, what's the problem with this draft, is that there's a lot of if things with a lot of these kids. And I, I, don't, I don't know for sure if that's somebody, because on talent alone, he's worth taking at five, but I don't know with all the other stuff. I don't know if that's going to actually pan out. And if you bomb on this pick, you really bomb on this pick. And, I, and it's really going to hurt you and set your franchise back. So, I mean, I don't know. Up until probably Sunday afternoon, I was all in on Cam Reddish, and I think I tried to go safe with Culver. And then eventually, after looking at today and and, and doing a little bit of digging on, on Kobe White, I, I actually started to like the kid, and that's why I chose him for the Cavs. But they could very well easily take Cam Reddish in. I wouldn't be upset about that at all. I'm just hoping that if they take him, that they'll be patient with him, and the hope and the hope that John Beeline is there. I think that the actual time that they need to groom this kid, I think, is what's going to be beneficial. And and, and John Beeline can coach. People, some people criticize the cast for that. No right? doubt. He, yeah, he's old, but he can coach. So I'm, I'm good. With that. I'm good. I'm, give me a coach that can coach, and and we can worry about the old stuff later. We'll make sure he gets to bed by six thirty on nine game nights. With the seventh pick, with the seventh pick, oh, man. we can go on and on about Cam and, and all those guys. I mean, I have a lot more to say, but or excuse me, the sixth pick is the Phoenix Suns, Mark. If you're running the Suns, you just got DeAndre Ayton. You still got Devin Booker. You, you got Josh Jackson hanging around. What are you What are you doing with the sixth pick now? If you're Phoenix, they probably could use some veterans. No, you probably would. I mean, if I had the opportunity to go and get a veteran, I probably would look at look at that very closely. But if I'm stuck at six, I have to take a player. I'm taking Darius Garland because I need a point guard there. Um, my thing is, is that you know, like you was talking about Garland running, uh, rising up the draft boards. If the Cavs, like, were, for example, took him at five, I think Kobe White would be the pick for them uh, for Phoenix at six. But to me, point guard is the is the glaring hole that's there for them, and I think that's the person that they would have to, you know, adjust to to try to help with this rebuild down there in Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be bad at that for them. And like I said, people are just – and for those of you who don't know, Darius Garland had a knee injury 
that kept him out for the majority of the college basketball season. So you want to talk about rolling the dice and risk. This is a dude that – Yeah, 60 games. Yeah, that's right. He only played a handful of games in college, and, you know, he's not Kyrie. You know, Kyrie only played a handful <laughs> of games in college, but he's Kyrie. And there ain't too many Kyries walking around. Darius Garland is nah. nice, but I don't know if he's that nice. And so people are saying that he's legit the fourth best player in the draft. So if Phoenix gets him at six, that's a win for them. Um, but I don't know how well he fits there. He's not really a true point. He's more of a scoring guard. So you got to give Devin Booker the rock, though. So I don't really know. I mean, I think Kobe White's actually a better fit for them. I think he's more of a natural distributor than Garland probably is. But You're probably right on that. But still, but that's still a nice backcourt, though, nonetheless. Uh, seventh mm-hmm. is the Chicago Bulls. Um, the Bulls were trying like hell to tank and get into the bottom three. Uh, of the league. They actually ended up with the fourth worst record, 22 and 60. Um, they hit gold with Laurie Marketing a couple of years ago in that in, a, in that trade. They got him on uh, draft night, I believe, for Jimmy Butler, and that he was in that deal. But yep, uh, you know, and Zach Levine turned out really well as well for them. But um, disappointment a little bit last year from uh, from uh, what's the, excuse me, what's the kid from uh, uh, Duke that went there? Wendell Carter. That's the W. Wendell Carter. There you go. Thank you. He, he looked good. Thank you. Yeah. Time. Don't be fooled by summer league. Yeah, I thought he was a decent player, and I thought it was a decent pick at the time. And he, for whatever reason, he his, his he just didn't translate. Maybe just because he's young, uh, maybe you know he he'll he'll bounce back this year. But I was I was I was uh, sad to see he didn't he didn't do well uh, this uh, past year. Ten point seven boards a game, um, not you know horrible. You know I think they probably wanted a little bit more from him, uh, but he only played forty four games, so he got hurt. So that I think that had a lot to do with it, but um, yeah. Uh, so, so the Bulls though, what are you doing with that pick? Uh, for the Bulls, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking in their backcourt. I'm, I'm going to take uh, Jared Culver because a he's still in the board, and b I think he will help the Bulls out a lot. Um, while I don't think he is um, as good of a standstill shooter as a DeAndre Hunter Hunter is, or as great as a, of the, a defender as DeAndre Hunter is, I still think he is good enough on both counts that he's uh, he can be a difference maker or, or at least a great addition to the Bulls. So that's who I'm taking. If I'm if I'm the Bulls at uh, seven, I'm taking him there. So that's, this is yet another jack of many trades, master of none type cat. Another one of those, and those guys aren't bad. Yeah, you know those guys aren't. You you can do really well <laughs> with guys like that. Those are, there's a word for those. It's called good basketball players. But they're just, they're just not <laughs> right. basketball players, you know, and so I think that's kind of where where there's there's a there's a line there. They're like the anti Steph Curry, like Steph Curry's exceptional in one area, and then other areas he's kind of lacking. But he's still a great player because he's so gifted in that one respect. Um, and Culver's kind of like the opposite of R, uh, R. J. Hunter, in in uh, in, in my estimation, anyways. Uh, simply because. Mm-hmm. He, or excuse me, DeAndre Hunter. I'm sorry, because he, yep. he kind of like was great leading up to the national championship game, and then he stunk in the championship game. So, uh, <laughs> you know, Culver, like I said, I think he's fine. He's six six, one ninety five. I mean, he's a good player. I think he's going to be a solid NBA rotation cat. I don't see right special from him personally. Yeah, and I think as we go down in these picks, I think that's going to be the growing trend. You do you see good but not great. You don't see special in a lot of these guys. And I think that's the problem with a draft like this is that you don't know. Now, some of these kids could actually come out of nowhere and become, you know, spectacular talents in the league, 
but you just don't know right now because there's really not enough film on them, and then you got to watch them adjust to playing in the NBA. You know, it's a, di- it's a lot different playing, you know, like 40-some games in the in college to 82 games in the league. That's just that's a lot of basketball, man. Definitely, definitely. The first of their two, or excuse me, three first-round picks for Atlanta. But, there you go. Yeah, they got one at eight. What are they doing at, at, at number eight, Mark? Uh, so we talked about Cam Reddish. That's the person I'm going to take with that first pick because Atlanta needs talent, and that's the and and I think, like I said, if 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 I if I was sold on on Cam like I like I was probably like maybe a couple of weeks ago, I would have probably taken him at five with the Cavs. But he's not getting past eight with the Hawks. He's just not. And when you have three picks like Atlanta Atlanta does, you can roll the dice to a certain degree. That kid is worth rolling the dice on, and that's the person I would take. That's a great point. Those extra picks make it so that you can roll the dice a little bit, especially when you got another one two picks later. Uh, mm-hmm. Number nine is the Washington Wizards. Uh, they are an abomination right now in our nation's capital. I'm not talking about the White House either. I'm talking about the Washington Wizards. <laughs> um, they, they had a rough year, to say the least. And, of course, John Wall had this freak injury, and then he, he blew his Achilles. So they signed him to this massive deal. Then he gets hurt. They were already constructed poorly to begin with because of the score first mentality point guard thing. And they had right. Beal, who was a great player, but Wall and Beal are a very good combination, but maybe not a great combination. And then right. both sign huge contracts, and then Wall goes down, and the team kind of disintegrates. They still slug their way to a 32-50 and 50 record this year, but um, you know they, they just don't have a lot going on right now. They gave away Kelly Oubre for no reason. Um, and they said that I was stupid. I mean, what what is? I don't even know what's on this roster right now. So besides Brad Beal, there's not a lot there. They're they're, they're spending their offseason trying to get Masai Ujiri to come in from Toronto. That's what they're up to. But they finally fired uh, uh, your boy. What's his name? Uh, uh, the GM who was there forever. Now they hired Mark Hicks. Mark, what are you doing with that? Pick? So. For me, for the for the watch the Wizards, I mean, one of their biggest problems is is, is their front court. I mean, they they even try like bringing in uh, Dwight Howard for crying out loud. I mean, I mean, what is that, man? They need to just basically just start over with the front court. If they decide to keep, you know, Beal and Wall, and they can't get rid of any, uh, either one of those guys or whatever, and you you try to make you know try to adjust on the fly, they're gonna have to go ahead and go. Um, go in the front court for me if i'm them there's a guy that i really really like and i watched quote-unquote tape on him it's my man seku diamba international player six nine guy who uh i think the washington wizards would love to have because this kid can can is active can run the floor and can do a lot of things from the power forward position that would actually help the washington wizards so that's the person i would take if i was them at nine Ernie Grumfeld was the name of that. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, uh, Sekou Diamba, he, he's from France. Uh, he, I, I believe, or, or Guinea, actually. I think he's French. But he's from Guinea. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, so it, what's funny is, uh, if you pull up you know, his player comparison, you know, the, the NBA player comparison that you see, and you got to be real careful with player comparisons, but you don't know a lot about these foreigners, right? So you see the player right. comparison to get a feel for what they are. And the player comparison that I see that pops up online is Billy Owens and Tim Thomas, Mark? 
Congratulations with your number nine pick in the draft, Washington. You get Billy yeah, Owens. Billy. And I remember Billy Owens back in the day. He played at Syracuse. Syracuse that guy was right. not very good. I mean, he was, he was a guy. He was fine. He was fine. Tim Thomas was fine. He had some years, but uh, just another. He's kind of another guy. But uh, yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised at how many lottery picks just turn into guys. Right. You know. Maybe he's a good guy. Exactly. Uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Atlanta's back on the clock at number ten. Help us out with that one. They're gonna go, go big. They're gonna have to go big with this one um, to assist in the front court. Um, a guy that I really, really, really like in this draft is power forward slash center Jackson Hayes from Texas. I really love this kid's game, and I think he would do. He would be uh, a great pick for them. Uh, in Atlanta with one of these uh, three picks. And, and the fact that he's there at 10, that's, that, I mean, he's, I think he's the perfect uh, center for today's NBA. So I think that's the guy I would want to take. Yeah, I mean, he seems to have a lot of the measurables, um, it, it appears like. I mean, he's 6'11", uh, which is not bad. Uh, he's an Ohio kid, so that's good, too. Uh, Shot-blocking type cat. Uh, you know, since yeah. athletic shot blockers. One quick thing about him, he's had, I think he had like three three-block uh, games, two four-block games, and I think either one five-block game and a six-block game all last season. So the kid blocked shots is what you're telling me. That's Pretty much. He's, he's, def- <laughs> he's definitely a rim protector. He de- that's one thing he can definitely do is protect the rim. And one thing George Gervin could do, Mark, is <laughs> <in> the role. <laughs> Shout out to my dad. That was a Father's Day joke for my pops. Um, Minnesota. <laughs> y'all remember that one? Minnesota is uh, the 11th pick. Um, they had a really weird year where somehow yeah. like, they traded away Jimmy Butler and they still have Cat Daddy and Andrew Wiggins, and yet somehow they kind of became Derrick Rose's team. Like <laughs> Derrick Rose is like, the most popular guy on the team now. Um, I yeah. don't know how that happened. Um, but it it kind of happened, and when he when he had that fifty point game, everybody turned into a Derrick Rose fan again for thirty seconds. And, uh, oh yeah, out of out of nowhere. I told year. you he was still good. <laughs> he had a great year. Don't get me wrong. He had a great year. Um, I, I think Flip Saunders' son is the coach of the team now. But uh, yeah, they yep. got rid of Tibbs. They got rid of Jimmy Butler, and uh, you know here they are with with this team built around Towns Wiggins. And Derrick Rose, that's three former number one overall picks, Mark, and they can't even make the playoffs. Yeah. What the nope. hell? How do you save this team in this draft if you're picking 11? That's a great question because I could go a number of different ways. Uh, and I was I was thinking really hard because to me, who's the talent, most talented guy left in this, in this um, lottery? My opinion – the most talented person is Nasir Little. But my problem is with him, I don't know where to play him. And I don't, I, I don't know how he would mesh with Wiggins. So I have to look at the, at the whole balance of the team. And if that's the case, as talented as, as Little is, I don't know if I could gra- grab because I don't know if I can't put uh, Wiggins, let's say, for example, at the two, I may have to trade him. And I don't know with his contract. I don't know if he's tradable at this point. So I'm going to back off of that, my thought process, and go a different route. So for Minnesota, I'm going to take P.J. Washington, 
um, the uh, power forward from, as I believe, is Kentucky. I would take him and I would put him uh, put him at that four spot and try to help them out because I think he has enough talent where he can uh, assist with uh, Minnesota and getting getting better at the front in the front court. And I think that's a that's a big thing for them. So that's who I would take. I like PJ Washington's game. Um, I think he's a pretty good player. He, he plays from 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 what I remember seeing of PJ Washington. He played he played a little bigger than what he is, you know. And it's, right. he was one of the bigger dudes out there when he was playing. And then you look at his profile, and it's like, oh, he's only six eight. You know, right. kind of reminded me of Tristan Thompson when I remember when Tristan Thompson was in college. I remember watching him and saying at Texas, like, man, that dude is really nice. And I thought he was like six eleven because he was so long and, and bigger than a lot of the dudes that he was playing against. And then it was like right. six nine. Oh, really? Oh, well. <laughs> that was fun about it last year. Like, he's still a good player. No, don't get me wrong. I like Tristan when they brought him to the Cavs, and, and he turned out to be, uh, a, a, like I said, a championship caliber role piece, role player. But uh, just wasn't what I thought he was because of the size. I kind of feel similarly about P.J. Washington. But I like the pick, though. I like him better than Nasir Little, who, you know, I don't really know what he is. I, don't, I just don't know what he right. is, you know, and kind of like at a loss with him. I mean, people, people kind of – seem to prop him up there as one of the better freshmen coming out of last year's class, but he didn't start at Carolina, so I don't, I don't really know what to do with him. I told, you, I told you to tell your son, your son likes Nasir Little, I said, we don't need another Marvin Williams. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Everybody hypes up and doesn't even break the starting lineup. That should have been a good flag right away that he wasn't he was cracked up to be, but P.J. Washington, I think, is a good pick for a team that's invested everything. All their resources are tied up in Wiggins and Towns, so they got to make it work. The Hornets pick 12, Mark. Uh, a lot of speculation that they're going to end up losing Kemba Walker, although Walker seems to have made it clear that he wants to stay there. But I don't know if that's a good thing for, for Charlotte because, Michael Jordan, if you pay Kemba Walker the Supermax or whatever he's eligible for, you're not winning anything in the NBA. So, nope. so uh, unless you can convince him to take considerably less than that, and I like Kemba a lot, but – no. I, I like him a lot too. Unless you can convince him to take considerably less than that, you're going nowhere if you pay him that much money. So I don't know what Kemba does. If I was Kemba, I would bounce personally, I think. But uh, maybe he just wants that dough, and ain't nothing wrong with that. So Charlotte was the last team eliminated, I believe, from the Eastern Conference playoff picture. So uh, if they're at number 12, who are you taking? Um, at 12 for Charlotte, I'm, I'm going to um, keep the, keep the college, uh, college hometown kid in, in the state. And I'm doing with Nasir Little at, at, at 12 for Charlotte. Um, uh, and, and you asked that question. I had the same question with him where he can play. I think his eventual, his talent and his, and, and how, how tall he is, because he's only, he's only like 6'6", six, six, maybe 6'7", six, if you stretch him out just a little bit. So he's, he, in my opinion, he's a three. And he has to play the three in order to succeed. I, I think with with that in mind, I think that's probably where he he needs to be. And I think he will uh, he could provide some some type of a, a good addition for the team going forward. They get rid of all these high priced contracts that they have and try to you know restructure if they keep Kimber or not. I mean that's probably the route that they need to take is try to get some get some younger cats in there. I just took like thirty seconds to trash Nasir Little, and it's like congratulations, Charlotte. <laughs> Nasir Little. <laughs> I mean, I, I just—he's a body man. Like he—he he has a great NBA basketball body. But outside of that, no doubt. Can he shoot? Can he handle? Does he have a feel for the game? Can he? Can he pass? You know, I—I I, I defend these kids that come into the draft every year because every year you hear people say, "Well, he needs to get bigger. He needs to get stronger. He can't play defense. He can't shoot." 
those are the three things you right. take off the board because there's nobody in the draft pretty much that can do those things. There's only a handful of guys Correct. in the draft that can do those things coming out of college. But uh, I just don't know what Nasir Little is. So maybe he'll figure it out, like you said, sticking close to, to Carolina. Um, really quickly, we only got a couple minutes left. 13 is Miami. Who you got with Miami? So I'm going uh, Rui Hachimura from Gonzaga um, I, for Miami. One of the one question I, I wanted to ask you real quick on that is, uh, did you know that the Miami Heat had the highest payroll in the league last year? I did not, which further makes me laugh because everybody assumes that they're a great front office and they're wildly overrated as a front office because everything that Extremely. They, everything that they get <laughs> comes from the fact that they're located on the freaking beach. And I don't understand why everybody bows down to them and, and uh, gen duflex uh, you know, when when they're in the Pat Riley's presence, like I think they're just overrated. And so, no, that doesn't that does shock me, but I did not know that. Yeah, so I mean, they they got to get younger. They got to drop a whole bunch of guys. They got they got like six guys that's making making over like thirteen million bucks, and that's just absolutely ridiculous. That that, that team and and without one legit superstar in there should not have uh, you know six guys making that much money. That's just terrible. Terrible planning from from the front office. So let's go younger. Let's go with um, let's go with Rui from uh, Gonzaga and start there. Yeah, I mean he's he's a he's a decent sized cat. Another cat that I thought was bigger than what he was. Like he played like a center in college, and then you look at it, he's like, oh, he's six eight. He's a forward. Like okay, you know the NBA is getting smaller, so I can see it working. He's a shot blocker, but you know he's a small forward like in the NBA. So um, that's a good pick for them, though. Perhaps a to pair with uh, Bam. I mean, Bam's blocking everything down there, so they have a good defensive unit, I think, with them and, and Justice Winslow, perhaps, but they, they could use some scoring punch at the at the guard position, I think. And it needs an 86 Hassan Whiteside's contract. That's where all the money's tied up. Uh, Without question. Last pick of the lottery, the Boston Celtics, they had a disappointing end to the year, and they didn't get Anthony Davis, and they're going to lose Kyrie for nothing, but everybody thinks Danny Ainge is a genius, too, so what kind of rabbit is he going to put out of the hat at 14? Well, they they could go a number of different directions. Um, I think for them, um, they they can go two two options. They can go with um, Tyler Hero, shoe uh, guard from Kentucky, or they can go with Brandon. Uh, I think it's Brandon Clark, the power, the power four from Gonzaga. I'm going to go with Clark because I think they need some type of versatility up front. Um, I think one of the things that cost that did them in was that they they don't have a lot of athleticism in the front court. They had to a certain degree with um, you know, with Tatum and, and Brown in the wings, and and uh, and you know, from their point guard they had some type of athleticism, but they really didn't have a lot of athleticism from the center position and in the uh, power forward position. So for them, um, I would go with Brandon Clark and and go that route because he offers athleticism, shot blocking, the whole nine yards. That's that's who I would take if I was them. All right, Mark. We only got about a minute left. Um, I'm going to recap the Mark draft for the NBA in 2019. With the first pick, Pelicans take Zion. Number two, the Grizzlies take John Morant. Three, Knicks, R.J. Barrett. Four, Pelicans, DeAndre Hunter. Five, Cavs, Kobe White. Six, Suns, Darius Garland. Bulls at number seven take Jared Culver. Uh, Cam Reddish goes number eight to the Hawks. Sekou Dumbaya. I think I got that right. Number nine to the Wizards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jackson Hayes, 10 to Atlanta. P.J. Washington, 11 to the Timberwolves. Uh, Nasir Little, 12 to the Charlotte Hornets. Rui Hachimura, uh, 13 to the Miami Heat. And then 14th, Brandon Clark to the Boston Celtics. The Cavs have a second first-round pick at number 26. Give us a quick name there that we should keep an eye on. 
two names uh, two names that I really really like. I don't think they, uh, one uh, one of them is going to be there. And Keldon Johnson, I, I really wish that the Cavs would actually go up and take that guy because um, I think they need another. You know, they need another wing, shooting guard, small forward type of guy, or they could go uh, the power forward slash center route. And I would look at. Uh, a couple guys that I like. I like Bruno Fernando, the center from uh, Maryland. I like Nick Nicholas Claxton, the uh, power forward from Georgia. Um, and uh, there was somebody else that that name escapes me, and for whatever reason, I cannot I mean, I, uh, remember who that person is. But those two are two players in particular that I would look at if I were the Cavs. Uh, looking at that uh, that pick at 26. That's okay. We'll retroactively give you credit for it regardless. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Claxton, uh, Nicholas Claxton, I heard some good things about him. Uh, I think he impressed people at the Combine. He's got some size too, 6'11". He had a really solid freshman year at Georgia, or sophomore year, excuse me, at Georgia. And then, uh, yes, he did. And then as far as Kelvin Johnson, you know, Mark, if they take Cam Reddish at number five, they don't need him to wing at number 26. But that's neither here nor there. We're out of time, everybody. <laughs> Thank y'all for listening. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. I'm going to get back at y'all with another podcast. going to talk some hip-hop in the not-too-distant future. Just bear with me, man. It's, it's hard right now. we got a lot going on. I'll break it all down to you one day on the podcast. Um, and, and maybe I'll, I'll have my lovely wife on to join me to talk about it a little bit. Who knows? We'll see. But... Thank you all for listening. Mark, always appreciate it, brother. Two times a year we do the Mark Draft. It's, it's not enough, man, but but we love having you on. Yes, time. sir. All right. We I appreciate it. it. No doubt. Peace. <laughs>